You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, welcome to the GFR show. I'm Lisa Cherney. I'm your host. And this week's episode is so perfectly suited for this crazy time that we're in. Our guest, JJ Flazanes, is an empowerment strategist. And so guess what, y'all? Her struggle with a purpose GFR wormhole story has to do with her feeling not very empowered. <laughs> Let me ask you, do you feel like you can fix anything if you just tried hard enough? You know, are you, I'm not, I don't think I'm this way. I know that many folks that are just kind of like super smart, <laughs> like my hubby, he's super smart. And I know that he has this in his, in his like operating system. Like he could just, you know, like he just could fix anything. And he often does, by the way. <laughs> well, JJ was like this as well when she was, you know, coming up as a professional. She was a fitness expert at the age of 21, running a huge fitness empire in New York. And, you know, always was, you know, the one in the room that had to sort of prove herself because she didn't totally look the part because of her age, which I totally relate to. I was working at AT&T uh, as a manager when I was still in my under and I was traveling all over the country representing AT&T to vendors. And gosh, that was such a trip. And, and yet it was, it really catapulted me into my like owning my like place in this world and i i i feel like jj and i have so many alignments in this area and coincidentally not so coincidentally enough we were co-authors in a book back in gosh 2002 or three or four called from inspiration to realization and it was a compilation book um one of the first on the markets and it was compiled by Christine Closer, who is another one of our awesome GFR guests, and her show is From Bankruptcy to Bestselling Author. And so that's where JJ and I met. We were um, among the authors in this book, and we like got together for a launch party and stuff. And I remember just being so taken with her and her certainty. And what you're going to appreciate and enjoy about the story is the vulnerability, you know, that she reveals because here she was a fitness expert, you know, she was, you know, young for her age in the industry. She moved from New York to LA and realized that um, even though she was a fitness expert, that she was really meant to talk about it from, um, you know, talk about fitness from a, just a much broader scale. Like she, she kind of was like meant to debunk so much of what was being put out there in the fitness industry. And this was like, you know, 2014, sort of like way, way before there was a lot of debunking happening in the fitness industry. And she wrote the book called Fit to Love, which was really acknowledging the connection between like fitness and um, she talked, actually the tagline is how to get physically, emotionally, and spiritually fit to attract the love of your life. And she found herself shortly after really being known for this book, questioning her marriage. Gosh, talk about a really humbling moment. And, and really you could, one could go down the, I feel like a fraud route. And she shares with us that that was part of her, her journey, but but then ultimately 
how she just decided to like own her truth of the situation after she tried to fix it as in all the ways that she possibly could. So she shares with her, she shares with us her journey about trying to fix her relationship and, and how confronting it was to be the author of Fit to Love and being known for that. And it's just a, a great conversation. She's super whip smart and very vulnerable. And I think you're going to really enjoy her. And the bonus content that she shares with our GFR squad members is so helpful for what we're going through right now with the global situation. She talks about, she ta- the, the, the title of the bonus content is The Truth About Law of Attraction. She breaks it down into its five main components. She's like so super smart about this and very like, I love it because she's not like woo-woo, woo-woo in her, the way that she teaches it. She really breaks it down and she talks about how contrast creates clarity and um, what's happening now in the world is lots and lots of contrast. So um, if that resonates with you and you're not a GFR squad member yet, now's the time y'all. If you feel like you're being called to get more real in your life, join the squad. It's 20 bucks a month, 200 for the year, comes with swag, stickers, buttons, and it comes with a monthly confession call that's themed from our GFR commandments and it's just, it's such a place right now. I'm so grateful. I just went in Facebook Live there just the other day to just do my quarantine confession. And uh, it's a really great place to be. So uh, you'll get JJ's awesome bonus content in there if you are a member. And without further ado, I want you to meet JJ Fildanes, who is has a podcast called Fit to Love, who is named... She's been named best personal trainer in LA, like back in the heyday. What else do I want you to know about her? She has several podcasts covering all topics from money to fitness to spirituality. And we'll put all those links in the show notes. And okay, without further ado, <laughs> JJ Flazanes. JJ Flazanes, we are having a full circle moment here with me being on your show and you being on my show. And uh, I feel like we've grown up together here <laughs> in the entrepreneur world. <laughs> right. On parallel planes. And then now we're reconnecting, right? Yes. Like, we we kind of found, found each other and went our separate ways. And now we're having this meeting. Yes. You know, I, something I forgot to bring up on your show is we were in that compilation book, Christine Closer, who was another guest on the show. Uh, her very first, she's done like 20 of these, but her very first compilation book, weren't you in that too? Yeah. 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 Inspiration to Realization Part Inspiration One. Inspiration <laughs> to Realization Part One. I remember that was like, it's so funny because she was on, you know, she was before her time. Compilation books are now like a uh, dime a dozen, not to minimize, but you know, it's super common now. But I remember we were just like, we are published authors. We have our chapter in this book and we had like a, a big kickoff thing in LA. And I think that's when we met for the first time. Yeah, we used my publicist at the time. Oh my um, gosh, right. Yeah, right. To, to, with that book. And yeah, it was fun. And that's like, like 14, 15 years ago. Yes. And on, my, on your show, I talk, we, you were talking about when I was pregnant, which blows my mind because my you know, 14-year-old was upstairs, you know, binge on YouTube. And it's just, it, times have changed. And I really appreciate having connections that have that longevity because it really is like growing up when you're in this entrepreneur world and you're mission driven, we iterate, we evolve, you know, we, we have a journey and it's, it's, that's how it really goes is that it isn't just set it and forget it, that it really, you know, we really do evolve and it's fun to uh, have a front row seat, you know, even though we haven't connected, I know that we've sort of, we have mutual friends and we kind of, you know, keep a, a little bit of an eye on each other, you know, over the years. And so I think I'm excited about today's conversation because it, it really acknowledges how our life and our work is so aligned and, uh, and, and, and what you've done to evolve over the years. So uh, well, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Excited for the conversation. Okay, cool. All right. So you heard in my intro that JJ is multifaceted, but you weren't always this way. You didn't always own that, you know? Um, so take, kind of get take us to you know back where it started and how you felt you know that you were a bit boxed in at the time when i moved to los angeles from new york city i kind of wanted to test my myself back into an area which actually at the time was entertainment because uh, i had gotten so in, engrossed in fitness in new york city i had my own sort of office which the office was 
an extension of an Australian-based company. I was the lead account for a major gym chain. I was head of education for this gym chain. Like I'd gotten so far down the rabbit hole in personal training in New York. When I came to LA, I kind of wanted a fresh start. But what I quickly realized is that I wanted to work for myself and I didn't want to work for someone else doing a side job that I hated and that I didn't have any passion for and that didn't utilize skills and talents because I recognized early on that I was uh, right and left-brained. Because if I was doing one thing for too long without balance, I would feel itchy, like I have to go do that other thing, whatever that is. And it took me a while to go, oh, like when I'm acting and singing and dancing, that like emotional expression feels really good in my body, but I want to problem solve something. Like I want to use my brain and think about something. And on the flip side, if I was using my brain too much, my body was like, ugh, like I got to get out there and like, like emote and get things going. And so when I moved to California and started that and started my own personal training company for freedom and from flexibility. And were you still doing the acting and singing and dancing? I was at first. I was Is that what brought you out to LA? It is. Uh, I was at first and I was moderately successful because of the times it was, uh, there was a strike going on and uh, I got a couple of national commercials and national print jobs. I got a, an agent pretty quickly, but again, not using all my skills and talents. And I forget what, at what point it was that I just gave in and said, you know what, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a fitness person, but I was in the beginning, truth be told, chasing money. I think I, I understood that if I worked for myself and I could create a income at a desirable level, I could then produce or do the things on the entertainment side that I wanted to do. I saw money as a means to an end. So I focused on what, and I, again, but mind you, I was director of education for a major gym chain in New York City. I'm very passionate about the science of training, and I did it pretty young. I was 21 and director of education. All of the people who are my students and my people I was hiring to teach alongside me were all older than I was. And I'd get that, you know, I'd get that smug trainer who was, you know, 40 or 30 and male and a bodybuilder, and he'd look at me like, what are you going to teach me? And I'd stand in front of the room and I'd say, so let's talk about the pectoralis major. Where does it originate? Where does it insert? What pattern does it make? What joints does it cross? And what joint actions does it cause? And what plane of motion is it in? And I get no one saying anything. I'm like, so now that I've established, I know more than you do. Yeah. Can, we, can we continue? Can we move on, please? Yeah. So, you know, so again, I was, it was like, I always sort of was at that edge of something. I was, you know, again, 21 director of education of, of major gym chain teaching trainers. And then I moved to California and started my own business in my twenties. And at the same time was juggling doing the fitness. So the fitness was always a fallback because I did love it and I do love it, but I never felt like I fit into the fitness industry because the fitness industry that I couldn't figure out until even after I wrote my first book, Fit to Love. Fitness industry is about shaming and the fitness people are about having control addictions. I was like, oh, that's what it is. You're all control freaks. That is why. Okay. So, because I just felt like this is not in balance and you in really, are you going to get that like super controlled about every single calorie and every single thing you do? I'm like, that's not freedom. So, you know, whatever side it was on, I had to, I mean, fit to love should have had the word shame in it and it didn't because I didn't know at the time to identify the word shame, but I approached fitness as I do in life is that you have two choices. You're either on in the choice of being fueled by love and being in alignment and self-respect, or you're fueled by fear and self-hatred and victim mentality. So literally, I believe that most of the fitness industry is in the fear and shame side and the guilt tripping side and in the control, like that's their issue. Everybody has an addiction for most fitness people, it's control. Like if they lose control, that's why you hear about those stories. Like they have an emotional breakdown and all of a sudden some fitness person gains 20 pounds because they're emotionally eating because they didn't heal their shit. And so knowing that my, my whole education and my whole development and unfolding for my life was to identify all of those little things, all those little pitfalls of what's incongruent here. What is the, what's the real truth? Like I could just feel it, but I couldn't define it. It's like when when I, when I understood or when I started to learn physiology and really understand stretching, 
I knew as a ballet dancer and as a dancer in college and since I was three that forced stretches were not good for your body. Could I tell you why scientifically? No. But then all of a sudden I learned science and I was like, I knew it. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Let me explain to you why this is ridiculous and why it doesn't work and it's actually dangerous for you. So I use, I've always used my intuition without knowing it, but yes, I've been, I've, I was pigeonholed into the fitness industry. When I got to California, I was, I got a bunch of press. I was in a whole bunch of magazines. I had some TV spots, probably like a handful of TV spots and a handful of magazines, national magazines. And so all of a sudden I have credibility in the fitness space, but I knew that was just the beginning of the conversation. That wasn't how to heal people. That wasn't how to change the world. And I definitely wasn't about the latest, greatest thing on the market that, that, that people are not understanding that we already have a solution for this. You just don't like the answer. <laughs> so you're going to wait. That means you, working. <laughs> doing right. Stuff. Like, you know, yes, law of attraction works, but the, you, you have to be inspired to do something. You're not just going to do this ab thing. Uh, I called Body by Jake once when I was in New York. I'll never forget watching the infomercial. I literally picked up the phone, called the customer service and yelled. <laughs> I was, I had, you know, I was frustrated. I felt like people were being taken advantage of, but then I realized now well, they're the stupid ones. They don't have to call, but body by Jake was saying, you know, do this exercise and you'll have perfect abs. I'm like, you're full of shit. And no, that is not going to happen. And you know that you're, you're, you're really playing to that. You want them to buy your product and you know, it's not going to work. So yeah. Fitness yeah. Industry. So, so even back then uh, you had your soap boxes and you weren't shy about sharing them, but you, you hadn't, it hadn't been integrated into your business and like, you know, what you were offering people like, and, and you kind of, you know, you're reminding me of myself and I feel like this is when we met is, you know, I had consciousmarketing.com and I knew I was helping people more than just marketing. Like I knew that it was, this was not a marketing thing that I was talking about that, you know, my tagline was from the inside out and the claim your ideal client piece was, like way more than pick an inch. It was like, you know, what are you willing, you know, what are you willing to take a stand for and who are you willing to take a stand for? And, you know, your, uh, the piece about, you know, you, you knew that stretch, you know, force stretching was bad, but you really didn't, you know, you didn't know the science behind it. And it's like I, all the time I get people saying to me, oh, did you read this book? And is this part of this philosophy? And I'm like, no, I just, what I know, <laughs> you know, and then it's fun later to kind of see, you know, the science or the things that are tested and proven or whatever, but it's fun to know what you know and then and then later be it validated and then it's even more fun to get to the point where you don't care <laughs> if it's validated and you just you just I'm know there. What you know yeah. yes I'm i there. know <laughs> it's good it feels good it feels really good <laughs> isn't it nice you know i've yeah. been talking about i don't know if you've seen any of the things i've talked been talking about this concept called unmentoring and you know that there's so many of us that are in a season where we know like it's always good to have support to go to the next level, but like none of the old things are resonating, like the formulas or the blueprints and you know, all that. And one of the unmentoring milestones is you're done trying to prove yourself. <laughs> you have arrived, <laughs> you know, and it's cause it's such a dis it is a distinct thing that clicks in. And, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about it needing to be at a certain age. Oh, when you're in your fifties, you don't really care what people think anymore. When you're in your sixties, you know, you march to your own drum. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not waiting. <laughs> I know you're with me on that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, I also believe too, and I don't know what kind of healing journey you've on, but you know, I, I don't, I think that when you heal your wounds, the faster you heal your wounds, the faster you step into your power at its fullest and you don't care because you understand that other people's reaction to you is about them, not you. And even if they're blaming you specifically for whatever it is they're dealing with, it's literally a reflection of them. But you can't get there until your shit's been taken care of, until you can look at yourself and say, if I'm triggered, this is a wound inside of me. This isn't because that person said anything, the blame game of you hurt my feelings bullshit, which doesn't exist. But the longer we stay in that, and still people like, what's going on right now in the world? Like people want to blame everybody else. It's like the most victimized, I think, it, you know, every contrast, brings us clarity about what it is that we need. And then we get to decide which side of the stick we're on. Are we on the stick of continuing down this conversation that gets us where we are and where we've been? Or do we go to the other side and say, I want something different? I think it was a couple of years ago when I started to get tested, maybe like three or five years ago, I got tested in new ways and I noticed my reaction change. Whereas before I would try to prove myself, I would try to tell you why I was right. And then when I stopped needing that, it was freedom. And I was like, wow, 
because I can see it so clearly. Oh, you, you don't have trust. You don't have faith. You have, you're projecting these things. And I, I know the truth. I mean, I'm sitting in this pandemic, like <laughs> I'm pretty neutral because I know the truth. And I'm, you know, and, and while I could focus on all of the conspiracy things or the hypocrisy that's going on that I want to scream at, because that really gets under my skin at times, I'm just deciding, nope, nobody, the people who need to hear that are not open to hearing it. So don't bother. And I used to try so hard to teach people that weren't asking. And as you know, that's part of, you know, that's part of my insecurity. It's part of my needing to be validated. It's part of my need to be accepted at that level. And again, when you can heal and transcend that and you accept that you are who you are and you do what you do and it doesn't matter. And there are only certain people who will receive it and there are people that never will. And when you get there again, it's like, it's magic. It's freedom. And yeah, I don't, I think that because people that are older who say, oh, when you're older, right. But I look at older people, I'm like, you are no more wiser. I mean, I was the kid at 12 telling my aunts why her children were reacting the way they were. And I was dismissed immediately dismissed in a, well, how do you know that? And then when all the shit I said that was going to happen came true, how did she know that? I'm like, you know, but the idea of old soul, the idea of like someone younger than you knowing, the idea of someone, and again, they are not awake. They're still not awake. So it's okay. They are where they are, but I never fit into my family in that way. And, and that's sad and lonely to a certain degree, but now I'm on the other side of not needing it, uh, loving and accepting everybody where they are and proceeding to step into more and more what I, what, what lights me up the most, what I think I'm best at, what my zone of genius is. And the more, of course, I get brighter, the more I have both the positive and the negative, but being okay with that, like wearing my bulletproof vest and say, keep your eye on the prize and know that this is not about these people. Well, not about the negative ones. It's about the people you're trying to serve that without what I have to say might save their life. Yes. So give us a couple of the key events or you know, significant happenings in your life that had you click into what you know for sure now? Well, about two years into my marriage, we had a pretty big blow up that, you know, it's easy to point the finger, even when you're right. Like, let's say in the case of you and I are in a relationship and I, you have a troubled past and I said, well, you're clearly the one with the issues because you had a troubled past. Therefore, you need therapy or you need to go get help because I'm fine. My law of attraction, law of attraction in general, you know, the truth of the matter is that you can't control anybody else ever. And, but you can influence. And so if I'm upset by your behavior, then I have a wound that needs to be healed. So two years in, that's probably when I said and recognized because I'm a action taker and I take responsibility. And at that point, while someone could have said, well, you know, it's the other person's fault and they clearly have more issues than you or whatever. It wasn't a competition. It was, I don't, I don't like the situation. I want it to change. And so what can I do about it? Well, if I'm reacting, if I'm getting defensive, that means I have a wound to heal. So I trotted off to, um, to a therapist that I had found. Finally, somebody who is a little bit more left brain than right brain. I needed someone who reflected me back yes. to me a little bit more. Right. The right brain people, we're lovely. Did for you like learn that the hard way? You had to go through a few therapists. Okay. I went to a therapist who did EMDR because I needed, I wanted the brain Even back then, because that's pretty like current now, but back then. Right. So yeah. years and years ago, uh, I heard about EMDR. And so I was on the path to well, find someone. Can you uh, define that for people that don't? Eye know. movement desensitizing reestablishment. So when you have a trauma of any kind, and we all have traumas, uh, your brain and nervous system go into fight or flight and go into a neur neurological patterning that does one of many things to you. It could be, you know, your body seizes up, your heart starts to race, you start to sweat, you feel f different feelings. It originally, it, it EMDR is meant to treat PTSD originally. They worked with trauma, people who were, you know, let's say at war. Right. So you come back and then you hear a, you know, a soldier hears a backfire of a car and immediately gets triggered as if there's a bomb going off. There's a little, there's very little space when you're at that level of trauma that you, your conscious brain can come in and do anything about that. You're not reacting from that part of your brain. So EMDR, eye movement, desensitizing, reestablishment has several different ways that you can use it. My favorite, I haven't done all of them, but my favorite to date is actually eye movement. Some of them are like you hold a paddle because it's binaural. So as long as you're feeling the beats and the pulses or you can do the headsets. But I actually prefer when you're following a therapist, uh, uh, your eyes are following the fingers because I actually had a physical experience from it. 
and I could feel, it's almost like what got created was a little tornado inside of me that got bigger and bigger and literally pushed out the energy from me. It was, it was amazing my first time doing it that way. But I'd gone to somebody originally who she was very lovely. And um, I came in and I said, you know, I would like to do EMDR. And she's like, okay. And so she got to know me. And then, uh, you know, second session, third session. And mind you, after every session, I'm emailing her, okay, so I'd like to get to do EMDR when we come in next time. And I'd come in and we do the same routine. She'd say, how are you doing? And I just answered her question. I like, I just went in, like, it's your room. So I'm going to, you're leading me. So I'd say, I'd go down the freaking rabbit hole of what thing went on in my relationship that day. And then next thing you know, we're out of time and we didn't do EMDR again. I finally said, can we, I'm coming to you for EMDR. And she's like, well, but you always tell me about such and such. And I said, it's your room. I'm telling you what I want. It's your job to lead me there. But the whole time in the process, it's actually a good law of attraction story. In the process, I had been using Love Attraction as I had been since 2002, and I gave her a CD. I don't know why I did. I just said, well, you know, have you ever heard of Love Attraction or Abraham? And so I gave her a CD. And I'm telling you, this therapist is like, oh my God, that's amazing. I listened <laughs> to that CD and it worked. It's just amazing. So we're, sit, we're five sessions in. I've done one session of EMDR. I'm really frustrated. And we get to the sixth session. We do a session of EMDR. I give her another Abraham CD. I get another, like she emails me how great it is and how amazing it is. Right? And I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done because I've literally asked her six times to do it. We've done it twice. And I just don't feel like I'm being heard. And now I was paying insurance. Like the insurance was covering most of it. I was paying the, the deductible. We get to the point I was running with an ex-client at the time. And I, was, and I was holding on to feelings of frustration about it. And, but I had to make peace with it. I was like, okay, I have to, and this is, this is a teaching moment. I had to make peace with it. Cause this is all about law of attraction right now. So I was like, okay. So, cause I felt like I didn't get what I paid for and it wasn't, you know, full price, but still at the time, my 600, $700 was like a big deal. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so oh, I got to make peace with this. So I was like, okay, I started to list like what I got out of it. And then I went, okay, well, she helped me with this. I feel a little bit better about that. I did this thing. I wrote to my family about that thing. She validated this. Like, da, 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 da. Okay. And I got, no, they weren't mind blowing things, but they were enough. They were like seven or eight things. I was like, okay, I can live with that. That could be worth $600. Okay, cool. And I let it go. She probably emailed me a month later and said, your insurance company paid too much. So you either have a credit or I can send you a check. And I literally got every single cent back. Wow. <laughs> That's a great story. Yep. Cause I never would have asked for it, but I wanted it. Cause I didn't feel like she did what I asked her to. Yeah. I didn't feel like I should go. It's not my place. Like it's disrespectful for me to walk in and tell you how to do your job. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, oh my God. So I stopped with her. So then I finally found somebody <laughs> and Dr. Maxwell and I, like I went before I found her, I literally wrote this email, like, this is what I'm looking for. Here's what I want to work on. And I literally went point by point. Here's this belief that I want to change to this belief. And here's what happens when it, what triggers me. Like I laid it out. Like I am and predominantly this was around your, your relationship at the time. Yeah. And my your, business, I mean, in my business and how I show up in the world, right. Cause I wasn't in complete alignment with who I am. I didn't have, I wasn't standing in the most amount of my power, so to speak, that I, like I am now. And even now I still have the next level and the next level. Right. But I still wasn't even owning all the levels and that disconnection from myself also affected how I showed up. So it was, it was twofold. It was relationships in, in business as well as personal. And uh, anyway, so we, my first session with her, we did EMDR and uh, cause she was like right on it. Cause she, I already done the preliminary work. I told her exactly what I want. I was like the perfect client here. Here's exactly what we're going to work on. Here, and I, and I'm aware enough to do like, this is why I need you. Cause I can't do this myself. Right. Um, and so now through the years of, of doing this, uh, I now help people with EMD with, um, with EFT because EFT is self-administered EMDR. Now, had I knew how effective EFT was back then, I mean, I love her. Some people she, call it tapping. Right. Um, emotional freedom technique, but it is literally EMDR self-administered. Now you want to work with someone if you have like serious traumas to get, because it can actually go backwards, but for the general person, uh, you know, I've helped people have tremendous uh, breakthroughs using EFT. So, but Dr. Maxwell was the first person to validate me on a level that no one had before that. She basically, her mother, was a therapist and she would do research and she would test people. And the center that she had, and her mother was passed, but her center focused on people with ADD and ADHD. So they did a lot of testing. And I, I don't remember what session I came in and I was telling her things and she said, well, it's because you're gifted. Well, of course you struggle and you feel lonely because you're gifted. I'm like, huh? 
I said, is that something I could like take a test? She's like, yeah, you can take a test, but you don't need to. I can see it very clearly. And I didn't like it at first because at this point I felt like I already am not relatable <laughs> to right. people and in my life. What does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, like, could this, and then, but the more I started learning, I'm like, okay, I feel a little more validated. I feel better. I feel like I now understand why certain things have happened in my life, but I don't feel like I'm not stepping into this saying, yay, I'm gifted. Yay. I'm still that much more yay, different. I'm even than- more of a freak. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I'm like, oh God. So that was the first step. That was the first step. in really, again, walking, stepping into the awareness of owning that there is something I haven't been practicing. I haven't been utilizing that is there for me. And then it set me on a path to, again, sort of explore and unfold all of that. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. But so your question, <laughs> your question was, was there one point? So the point was that I, I was said, having, what, yeah, at one point, so, and, so yeah. I did, so I did the EMDR, but not only, I, I also hired her, not just for the EMDR, but she also did hypnosis. And I wanted, again, very specifically looking for tools, not just talk therapy, but tools, things that will change my brain patterns, create new neural pathways, things that will help to shift my, literally my energy in my body. So we did, we do the MDR and then we would also do hypnosis sessions where she'd record them and then I'd take them home. So I didn't see her every week and sometimes it went every month and sometimes it went every couple of months. But at first I did a couple sessions. She did a, a CD for me and I listened to it every day. I would take a nap at lunchtime-ish, and I would basically do some hypnosis. And they were about 30 minutes long, but they were specific to me. They were very personalized. And through that, literally my energetic field kind of came down in terms of any kind of anxiety or, or anger that I was having or fear, and I got calmer. And I will say that that was probably the biggest shift in my relationship that I had ever seen. It was super clear and effective. And at that moment, my like, I, cause I thought to myself, you know, if a true test of if you're healed or not, cause that's the other thing too. I'm not a big fan of traditional therapy for a lot of reasons, but the biggest reason is because I feel like a lot of them teach managing emotional management, right? Like protect boundaries and, and, and I'm yes, discernment and boundaries are important, but if you're actually healed, then you don't have to avoid anybody because you're not bothered by anybody. And I kept feeling like, why are we avoiding and, and finding management things when we're just, just dive in there, like get yeah. that root out, like heal that and, shit. Yeah. I mean, it's like treating symptoms, right. And in, in terms of right. the co- finding the co- root cause. Yeah. Right. So I went in and thought, all right, so here we are, we're in a situation. I'm getting defensive. I'm getting defensive. What's another choice that I could do? Well, if I was truly healed and I didn't have a wound, I could just be like Jesus and be sending love and, oh <laughs> yeah. So like, like that's, that's a state that I could have also chosen, but I, I wasn't able to because I have my own wounds. So I just went in and started dealing with my own wounds. So every time something would come up, I would go, okay, what's the next thing for me to go heal? And I would just start working on my own stuff. And that led down, let me down a path of learning so many things that I, of course, the more I learned, the more I shared. And this has been my path. It's, I had clients that only wanted weight loss and I want to talk about law of attraction. <laughs> I want to talk about the emotional root underneath this. I want to talk about the psychological patterning that they have and why they're stuck and they keep getting stuck. But nobody cared about that, that I was with at the time. So I had yeah. to create a new community, hence the podcast. Yes. Yeah. So your first show was called Fit to Love. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that was uh, six days a week and each day had a theme each day had a theme. Monday and Tuesday were also video and they were two camera HD, high quality production video. Before Zoom, right? Before, video Before Zoom. <laughs> Before Zoom. Well, I still wouldn't have done it this way because it's literally like I'm teaching an exercise or I'm cooking in the kitchen. Right. And, well, yes, I could do that on Zoom. I wanted a high quality. High, now I will say going back, I didn't have as best of sound as I could have in the videos. I had decent sound, but I didn't have a, a microphone on my body. We had booms and stuff. Um, but anyway, but it was a really, it was a high quality production uh, for my video and audio show that I did six days a week so that I could test out where people wanted me. Cause I got to the point where I felt like a, I, t- I told a psychic once, I feel like a backed up hose. I feel like I have all these creative juices and nowhere to put them. And I'm not going to blog because my brain moves faster than my fingers will. And blogging feels like you're putting me in a box. So I need to talk. I need to like, but again, I was talking to the wrong people, people that weren't, they weren't asking me these questions. They didn't want to know this information. So when I heard about podcasting, uh, and I'd heard about it before, but it didn't land. And then all of a sudden I went to a writer's workshop and then podcasting was talked about and I got it. I was like, oh, podcasting, that's Talking. what I'll do. 
talking. <laughs> I can do that all day long, every day. So I thought, okay, so, so what am I, so then again, I gave everybody what I thought I should. Movement Mondays was about exercise. Tasty Tuesdays was about cooking, easy paleo and gluten dairy-free cooking. Wellness Wednesdays was about all the other alternative medicine and nutrition things I didn't have to show on camera. Thoughtful Thursdays was about the psychology and anything that had to do with mental, mental clarity. And Freedom Fridays was my Ooh, this is what I want to talk about. This is my juicy, guilty pleasure. This is my, I'm afraid to do this by itself. Law of attraction, spirituality, clairvoyance, intuition, mindfulness, meditation, right? That's Friday. Then my ex-husband said, what about sexy Saturdays? I'm like, okay. Then I put in sexy Saturdays, which is about relationships and intimacy and masculine feminine energies. And so there we have it. So I launched Fit to Love. I did two seasons, 350 shows. Wow. And got to the point where I thought my intuition said, they can't find you. Now my numbers were good, but I wanted a wave. I wanted, I wanted feedback more than I was getting. I wanted transformation. I wanted energy. I wanted like at least some en- more energy coming back to me than right. I was putting out. And it just didn't feel right. And in the world of podcasting at the time, some of the, the best mentors would say, just stay the course until this is successful. And I'm like, no. The no best, mind. the quote unquote, the best mentors now podcast or marketing or, you know, YouTube still give poor advice about to people to say, you know, stick with the thing and pick a thing and focus, 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 and don't waver. And meanwhile, the person's going, I don't know. It doesn't really feel right. I don't feel totally aligned. I'm not really sure. And they're just sort of like, it's sort of like you tell kids, just be quiet, you know, and just, you know, do, do the thing that I think, you know, is going to be what people want, which obviously my pet peeve, my soapbox. <laughs> That's on mentoring. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I told you on my show, I just got in the money game and I got in the money game because after my show, after I rebranded became very successful. I started doing on live, on air, like live coaching sessions. And I'm, I'm of course thinking they're going to be relationship based. They're going to be food or exercise or weight loss or meditation or law of attraction. No, it was money. So I was like, so after, so after three, four, I'm like, they want me to show up with money. I was like, okay, okay. And this, and I'd kind of been waiting. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm very good at giving people business advice for free. Uh, so, and I've been doing it for years. So I'm like, all right. So then I kind of stepped into the money game um, from a different place, from a place of collaboration, not competition, from the place of abundance, not scarcity, and from a place of building health without sacrificing, I'm sorry, building wealth without sacrificing your health. So I launched a whole new show after that. But back to the, the fit to love thing. Um, when I did my show, it wasn't for money. It wasn't to sell things immediately. It was to test the market and to test the universe to see how do you want JJ to show up? What are you going to respond to? And to give you an outlet, like for the things you wanted to say and share and be in your creative energy. Yes, I definitely needed an outlet. And I was totally fine creating 350 pieces of content that I could reuse every day. And in fact, it made my job easier because if I got a new client, I'd say, go listen to these five shows, go watch these two exercises, or let's build your exercise program. Go watch these videos to show you the form once we're done with the session in case you don't remember. So it became very useful. In fact, I still use it today. So there was never going to be a waste or a, it wasn't wasted effort ever. And I wrote my last book in a month because I transcribed half, like a lot of my shows. So yeah. again, I'm, I'm repurposing constantly. Yeah. And you're following your intuition. I think I want to pause and let that sink in for people is that because you're so good at listening and taking action that like there's no sort of time where you were struggling and lost and you're not, you know, off on the wrong path for significant periods of time where then the universe has to kind of give you this jarring, you know, uh, come to Jesus moment. Like I'm hearing, I'm hearing somebody who is very responsive to the feedback that you're getting, you know, from the universe and taking action when something doesn't, you know, isn't feeling right. And so being able to doing a show and just knowing this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, you know, I'm not sure. Ex- I'm not sure I'm going to get clients right away, but like, this is feeling really good. And then, Oh, this is not feeling really good anymore. So let me, let me shift. And I mean, you're, you're, uh, you know, a walking Testament to GFR commandment number seven, trust yourself, trust your gut. And uh, you know, that confession question that goes with that is what is my intuition telling me? And what does my heart say? You know, it, it just, you do kind of make it sound easy. I have to say. So, um, <laughs> Stop being so gifted. <laughs> okay. Well, here's, here's the part that wasn't easy. The part that's not, the part that, 
the part that's not easy about being gifted uh, and not knowing it and feeling isolated and that no one can connect with you and that everything you say, even though you feel it's completely right, everyone else doesn't understand, they don't agree, they have no interest, is that it feels very rejecting. Like you, mm. you get, you feel rejected basically. Not, not that I'm not valuable. My parents love me very much, but, and they, they're great listeners, but they'd never, like, I take them down some deep path and my dad will often say, GJ, you're deep. Like, you know, I love them to death, but like, they're not, they're not really they know what to do with you. <laughs> no, don't know what to do with me at all. Like they, they love and support me in the best way they know how, which is why they couldn't handle. And, and my therapist at the time, Dr. Maxwell did say, she said to me, you know, I'm, I feel badly that you didn't have parents that knew what to do with you. Mm. And I said, and I have no problem with my parents. And I said, well, I chose them. And, and so I said, so I actually don't believe that. You know, it's funny because even with her, she doesn't do astrology. I do astrology. She doesn't, doesn't do sacred contracts. I do sacred contracts. So I could always feel her love for me in something that someone else would be offended by, right? Like her deep love for me. And I'd say, no, no, no. It's a, like she once said to me, I'm a Pisces. And she'd say, I think you, you go too far outside of yourself for answers. And she's a Taurus. And I, I thought about that and I said, yeah, you don't do astrology. So the difference between a Taurus and a Pisces, a Taurus is that you're grounded and you have a box and you're comfortable in your box and, and you definitely need to be grounded. So, but for a Pisces, like we're, if we're connected to all that is, that's how we get grounded. Like we go out to go, no, 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 I am not alone. I am like a part of God. I'm a part of source. I'm a part of creator. I am all that is that grounds me. So, you know, I, and not that I tried to teach her, I, you know, we would talk about it if it was of interest to her, but when she said, I feel badly, cause her mother was a scholar and, and, you know, an intellect. And so it helped her become confident in her role and what she does. And so she saw me struggling in ways she wished that I wouldn't by having the right parents. And I said, I love you. I hear, feel your love for me. I said, but I chose my parents. And I said, don't you know the work of Carolyn Mace? No. I was like, okay, it's called sacred contracts. I chose my parents for a reason. And, uh, and so I think I chose the perfect place. And I, so for me, it's easy in the other application. I'm a Pisces, but I have a lot of Sag and Sages are true seekers. And that drive, that fire in me has always questioned everything and not in a completely annoying way. I mean, to some people probably completely annoying, but you know, going to church and saying, well, why do we do this? And they do that. Well, why does, why does, why does that religion do that? Like I studied, I minored in religious studies in college because I was fascinated with Judaism and Christianity and the different parts of Christianity. So I actually know more than the average person on all of that. Say so now because, you're, now you're with a Jew. <laughs> and now I'm with a Jew. Uh, right. So I, but I, cause it fascinated me and I learned about it in an acting class, right? Like the whole, <laughs> that point of view, putting yourself in someone else's point of view, really like, I just feel like every, now my life works. And every, it makes sense. Not that I was, you know, was a little disjointed. Oh, she was an actress over here. Then she became a personal trainer over here. But now I totally understand every single gem of everything I've ever done that is now expressed in what I do. Because I've been trying to help people, to teach people, if you just put yourself in someone else's shoes for a minute and you see the world from a different point of view, you'll have more compassion. That's why I teach astrology because it gives reason why people are different. And uh, yeah. anyway, so yeah, that's- Yeah, um, so I, I appreciate you, you know, you talking about if there, is a, if there is a hard part, it is the feeling of rejection and it is feeling different. And it is, you know, it is feeling like, you know, no one gets you until, until you really, it sounds like until you really decided it's really not important that people- get me, it's really important that I get me and that I put out, you know, and then going back to your mission, you know, your work is your mission and, and you're part of your personal evolution. Like, so now you're evolving, like it was fitness. And even though, you know, the fitness world made you crazy because you could see the underlining hypocrisy, you know, and then you come out to LA and you realize, you know, it's not just fitness. There's, the, there's all these layers and I'm going to do a show and a day for each, you know, until you got to the point where you were re realizing that the people that you really wanted to find you weren't able to find you because you were tr trying to represent, you know, all of the different facets, you know, separately. And it needed to be integrated. Like the show that I, your show that I was on, which is about, you know, money and fitness or money and health, sorry. And being able to integrate the key pieces of it so that you could take your law of attraction, you know, your passion for the truth in that, as well as, the like the human conditions that are that people are struggling with like their bodies right and you know my, i have a past 
you know, I was in 12-step program for Overeaters Anonymous, you know, in my 20s, early 30s, struggled my whole life with body, you know, exercise and food. And I, and the, you know, and that was a huge transformation piece, but, you know, I eventually left the 12 steps and it left identifying that as who I was so that I could evolve, you know, to how to live in a, you know, how to live and be with the tools and things that I was learning and how to evolve from there. So I really can see your own personal evolution and, you know, claiming all that, you know, and then finally getting to the point where you're like, I don't have to prove this to anyone. I'm just going to, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, I'm going to write this book that integrates it all. And I'm going to be it. Yeah. And I, here's where I'll say, I make it sound easy. Don't think for a second, I haven't had help along the way, like right healers and coaches. And I mean, I, every, at every turn, I have taken responsibility, full responsibility for every thought, every feeling and every belief that I have. And uh, I did some work with a healer who, for the first time, uh, besides the therapist who got me to like one level. And I'd say this healer got me to the next level who basically reflected everything I thought about myself that I would never say out loud for fear of being judged. And when she, without knowing me, without me saying a word, she tapped into that and she's like, oh my God. And she started, I mean, the moment she said, you're like, oh my God, you're so smart. Like I didn't, she doesn't know me, but she was clearing some things from my energy. And, and I thought I was going in for like a, you know, a Reiki kind of session. And I didn't realize it was going to be like a talking kind of session. I mean, talking at the beginning and like, what did I need help with? And then when she sort of opened and she connected to me, it broke me open. And I, trust me, I, for as, as intense as I am energetically, I can easily fall apart, like cry, fall apart, be vulnerable, whatever at the same time. Um, which is why the whole EMDR with the eyes open and energy flowing in my mouth open and talking is how I realized how this is the best way for me to do this. Cause everything's flowing and I'm not stuck in like trying to hold myself together, keep my eyes closed. So when we, when I met, worked with her and she literally said things that I thought and never shared, I, that was a super validating moment. I wish we would have recorded it. We didn't because it was before she was recording. And I was like, you just said every single thing I have thought about myself and have had shame about admitting to because nobody else would agree with me. They might say maybe, but who would I have asked? Like, who would I have asked for validation? Do you think this is true about me? You know, in law of attraction, there's, an, and I don't want this to sound hierarchy, like better than, this isn't what I'm saying, but everyone has a frequency or vibration and it's ruled by your, your emotions basically. And whatever dominant emotion in your subconscious mind and in your conscious mind that you're, that you're sitting with in the moment creates your frequency. And just like the radio or the television, you know, you can't hear what's on 102.7 if you're on 96.3, you get frequency when it's in a device but we tend to want to oversimplify frequency when it comes to the human experience and law of attraction. And it really is physics. It's not a woo-woo idea. It's a law. So if we think about where people are in terms of frequency at any given moment, if someone isn't, if someone's frequency is at a lower place than yours, they can't see what you're seeing. And if they're at a higher place, they can see more than what you're seeing. But you know, it wasn't until I could be with someone who was either at the same or slightly higher frequency that could see the same things I was seeing. Nobody could have seen that because for, for their own reasons, for their own insecurities and baggage and, and fears and judgments, right? I mean, I was shamed often by in relationship because what I saw was true, but unwanted. What I saw and said was so powerful that it made someone fight back to want to push me down. So that way I would shut up and stop pushing because they didn't want to deal with stuff. And when you do that enough, I, I never believed that it was like that I was wrong. I knew it was right, but it was, and I didn't want to be right. And it Even wasn't though, an ego. It wasn't like, I'm it right wasn't an, an ego, ego place. It, yeah. Well, again, that's part of the Sag thing. Like Sages get a little blunt and uh, offensive at times. And again, I'm a Pisces with a lot of Sag, but I know it can be pretty blunt. So that way I've like, when I get negative reviews or negative feedback, especially when someone doesn't know me and I've never worked with you and I don't know you, I actually feel good about it. Cause I'm like, wow, I so lasered in on triggering you <laughs> that you felt so compelled to take the time and effort to write <laughs> a negative review. Good on me for planting a seed within you that maybe one day you'll be ready to deal with. Because if you, if you're not triggered, I mean, you're either going to like love me or hate me is really what it's going to, what it comes down to. We have so. that in common. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. Oh, I think it's effective. Well, and it's effective because it makes us, and it's effective and 
that the byproduct is that we're happy because we're content and who we are and how we're expressing. And I love the F word. If you don't like the F word, I'm sorry, I'm not a match for you. I, I got an email the other day. I was, I was hosted the love fest for leaders just because I needed it. And, you know, someone said to me, Oh, I, I really want to come, but if you're going to use the F word, you're going to lose me as if I was going to say, okay, I won't use the F word. So you could come like, it's like, I'm sorry. Okay. I guess we're not a match and sort of thanks for sharing. And, you know, and I shockingly get, I shockingly get very few of those kinds of emails. People would think that I would get a lot of their fear would be that I would get a lot of emails like that, but I don't. And, just wait, you know, right? just wait. The bigger you get, the more you get, right? Because 10% of the people will love you no matter what you do and 10% will hate you. So if we don't have enough of this going on, we're not getting out there enough. So just wait, you will. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Right. Yes. <laughs> Huh. So, so you referred to your, uh, your, your relationship, your marriage as one of the things that really was a key, vor you didn't use this word, but mine, like vortex along the way of your healing and kind of gave you this gateway of your, you know, your growth. And, and so then track with me, you know, sort of the next iteration of, of your business expression. So you did fit to love six days a week, then it turned into, can you explain kind of yeah. how, how the externalization of your internal mm -hmm. evolution, you know, manifested in your business and like the, the versions of you that you're putting out there. I recognized after my marriage was over that, and I didn't think of myself like this at the time that I allowed our situation to hold me back. Now, if you would have said, and people did say that to me then, and I said, no, that's ridiculous. I am, I work for myself. I create my own stuff. I do what I want. Like I do what I want. Mm, mm, mm. No, I would only do as much as I thought would be acceptable to other to, people. To, to your other people and primary person being your partner. Yes. Yeah. A little bit of his family too, but I only, okay. I only grew as far as I thought everyone else could handle. So I was doing it slower. Like I would have leaped probably a lot faster but I didn't think that was respectful of other people's belief systems. So I was kind of trying to massage my way through, not realizing <laughs> as I was doing it, that I was holding myself back. Because again, the risk is, and, and I know a lot of marriages that end because, and I don't, I'm not going to overgeneralize. I'm just going to say that I think like women, and I'm going to blame the women. Here's why. I'm going to blame the women that think because they're, they, they got into a situation when they weren't conscious when they got married. So that, that was my issue is that I was super fucking conscious when I was married. Like I, we did the, the works, we did the workshops, we did the tests, we did the conversations. I was super happy in alignment, not a care in the world on the day of my wedding. Didn't have any, at any point, a doubt about this situation in terms of it's, it's divine, the way it all happened. Like I, I didn't doubt it. It was like, should, I never asked myself, should I get married? Other people asked me that one person in particular. And I was like, yeah. And again, there were signs that I wasn't willing to see because to me, if you want to marry someone and be with them for the rest of your life, you work this shit out. And to me, it's just another thing to learn. Yeah. So, and it's just, to me, it's who you're going to work your shit out with at any given time. Exactly. It's just that we've just agreed to be on each other's journey and we're going to need different things and we're going to come up with different things and we do it together. That's all. And so to me, none of it seemed like if I wasn't scared going in, nothing was necessarily going to scare me off. And I'm not a quitter. So I never, you know, divorce wasn't even, oh God, the shame of that held me back. And again, I will say though, that everything happened in perfect and divine timing for everyone. I did what I had to till the very last second. I waited until I was in the right moment. I did everything I could to honor myself. I allowed my intuition to guide me, even when my mind wanted to say other things or other people wanted to say other things. So, you know, it was the perfect ground for me to learn because when you're trying to help somebody else and yourself at the same time, be in relationship, say, Hey, this is where we started. And this is what we wanted and why let's get back. Like we can do this. <laughs> um, and here's the information. I mean, I scoured the earth for every tool I could learn and use and share to make the connection, to bridge the gap, to get us over the hump, to, you know, start something into and. And I had to start all the metaphors, <laughs> yeah, I, all the metaphors, you know, it's very rare. I find there are a few very rare. I find too many people with more tools than me um, because I was on the hunt for, cause I knew I would do it. I knew I could do it. I knew my ability to learn and apply. So, you know, at the same time, while 
there was some shame for me within, you know, I'd written a book called Fit to Love. I talked about, I mean, my husband's in the, ex-husband's in the book, right? Um, like a chapter in the book and, and our story and how I manifested him in three weeks. And then we had, we were pretty much like engaged within, you know, before the second date and the whole like love story part and the effectiveness of the story and of the relationship and the tools I was using during my marriage were working. They were working, but they weren't sustainable if I was the only person doing it. So, you know, I gave it my, my all for as long as I, Sounds I like could. You did. I really did. I wanted to make sure I didn't leave any stone unturned. I didn't want to make sure that I tried every angle from every possible Think. point of view that you could come up with. That you can control, right? That and I could control. What, right. And, and then the day came, the day came and I realized, and again, it wasn't even about like, I still wasn't ready to end my marriage. I said, uh, I recognize that you know, people get into their patterns and they get stuck in their patterns. And until you take them out, so why people like to travel because they get, they travel and they feel different because they don't have their, that, you know, the conversation of who they are in their head because they're not relating to things around them in the same way. So I thought, oh, and he had wanted to separate earlier. And I was like, no, and I begged and I try, you know, and then I thought things were getting better. And I finally said, okay, I said, I think it's time you can, you can leave now. You can, we can separate now. And we both cried and talked about it as we were talking about that. And I said, and my words to him were, because he had left in the morning to go to church and I felt abandoned and rejected again, that he wanted to spend no time with me. And by the way, my love language is quality time. And so I, I but I had been talking about and preparing. I said, you know what? I said, I have hung on so hard. I have done everything that I thought I could do to prove to you that I'm on, I was willing to stick by you no matter what said, but it's gone on a little too far. And I think I deserve to have someone who wants to be married to me as much as I wanted to be married to you. And he's like, oh, I did, well, why didn't you say something? I didn't know you felt that or something like that. I'm like, are you kidding me? But at this point it didn't matter. Cause I was like, I deserve, I deserve a deep, intense love. Like I'm giving you. Yeah. And then, you know, we both had our tears and it was a Sunday and he went on the couch and I went in to, to do whatever I had to do. And next thing I know, I get a call, I get a call from a, a former client and friend AKA Doug Sandler, whose uh, wife had left him the same day oh my uh, as, as he and I got separated. So got the chills. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, I, 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 I practice what I preach. I don't tell anyone to do anything I haven't done or don't believe in. And I had literally been using law of attraction to manifest the possible best in out, like outcome energetically from everybody, right? Law of attraction says that you only want what you want, anything, love, money, health, whatever, a body. The only reason you want any of it is because you think you'll feel better when you have it. Well, you can bypass having it and get to the feel better part, which gets you the manifestation of whatever it is. But what gets in people's way, especially in a marriage, like I knew in, in my heart that I would get what I wanted in terms of, I because there was, I felt like, and again, I, everyone probably can relate to me in, on some level. So I'm not, hopefully I'm not offending anybody, but I literally thought nobody wants the kind of relationship I want as badly as I want it. Like I know I'm going to get it because of how badly I want it. And I had the complete faith and trust I would get it. I didn't know how I was going to get it. But I figured it was going to be coming from my ex-husband. And if I just let him go for a year, then we'd come back and he'd be clear and we could start again and I'd have the love that I wanted. But the minute I surrendered and released him to the universe, boom, in my lap came Doug Sandler. And at first, you know, it was just happened to be, he had no idea what was going on with me. I had no idea what was going on with him. And when he confided in me and said, and again, we didn't talk like regularly. He had just been a client. He had just finished his sessions. I was getting ready to see him a week from that point. And he reached out because I'd coached him as well as trained him. And he thought, well, I need a coach. So he reached out and he's like, my wife just left me. And I'm like, interesting. It's like <laughs> my husband and I just got separated today. And, and as it started to unfold, he literally like all of the lists that I made about what I was looking forward to and the things that I want out of relationship, he's every single thing. It was, it couldn't have been more clear. And part of the reason why I think, and again, it's all divine timing. So I couldn't have done it a day before or a week right. ahead of time or a month ahead of time. But what's, what kind of slowed me down was the shame of Hey, I wrote a book called Fit to Love. Hey, I talk about love attraction. Hey, I talk about relationships and I haven't fixed mine. Yes. So um, I had to come to terms with that. I had to be ready to put, and it wasn't really like, that wasn't the main driver. I know some people whose main driver is what people think of them. Mine was more about what I thought of me, which is why I had to get to the end of I've given it my all. I can't, yeah. there's nothing more I can do. And I'm, 
would love to know someone who has another tool I haven't used or haven't yeah. tried. I've tried yeah. every that, single that thing. That story, that that story of knowing that you've given it your all, that you tried everything, like you needed to get there so that you would you could not judge yourself anymore. You right. you you were able to right. release yourself because you had done all that you could. It's funny when I say what that. anybody else thought. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's always funny when I hear other people say that. Oh, I've tried everything. I'm like, what have you tried? Yeah. Prove it. Well, we went to therapy. <laughs> you went to therapy. That's the thing that you think is everything you've tried. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me clue you. That's not everything. And I'm sure there are still, now that I know more than I know now than I knew then, I'm sure there's a few other things I could have tried. Um, but I, I got the main points. I got, you know, Imago and EFT and EMDR and meditation and law of attraction and dealing with my own wounds on every level. I was constantly working on not out of, because it makes, why wouldn't you want to make yourself better? Like if you notice, if someone said, Hey, you have this wound, this is why you get triggered. And then you know that it's in you. Why wouldn't you want to fix that and feel powerful and free? Yeah. And that's yeah. misogyny. I know that not everyone's like, I that. know. And I, I love when you said that, you know, earlier is like, you know, why, why would you not want to fix it? Why would you not want to fix it? You're like, you were, and it's so, it, 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 for me, it's like, why would you not want to tell the truth? Why would you not want to tell the truth? Say the thing, confess, like what, how can you keep all that shit in and be something you're not and tolerate, you know, shit in your life that doesn't feel good. Like, you know, I was on an interview right before this and they're like, well, what happened to have you let go of your seven? What was the thing that happened that had you stop your business? And I'm like, there wasn't a one thing. It was like, I cannot be in this thing that doesn't feel good. Like I cannot do it. So it's like you and I have these tolerances like that other, you know, we don't have the tolerances that other people have, right? Um, why would you not want to fix it? You know, why would you not want to tell the truth? And I guess that's, that's what, you know, that's what our mission is about. So of course, of course, you know, our life is full of opportunities and journeys around that. So, and I was on Doug's show. I love Doug. He was one of the first people I reached out to actually when I was thinking of doing the GFR podcast, first person I told the name. And I remember you came into the room. That was and, in, our, in the old house. Yep. I yeah, remember that. And, and I was like, we hadn't seen each other in a while. And, and uh, it was funny. I was really guided to him because uh, some, just a friend of mine was like, oh, you need to call Doug. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I don't even know anything about podcasts. So I'm going to call Doug. And he was so generous. So uh, I really could see, I could see the magic that you feel with him for sure. He's a really neat guy. And, you know, to speak to that, and he gives me full permission to talk about him all the time and say anything. Uh, Doug and I couldn't have been together a day before it happened because he was asleep. His, his ex-wife, the second one, because he was married for 20 years and then he got divorced and then he was married for two years. They were together five. But she, her leaving him freaking broke him open and yeah. made him awake. And so now, like, cause I look back at pictures and I'm like, I could just energetically can tell like you and I never would have, like, we were, we were destined to me. It was in your, are you Jewish? Yes. Beshert. It's Beshert. Yes, that's what all of his, meant right, to be all right. his relatives say. <laughs> all his mother's his friends. Mother. When I, when I told them the story, they're like, it's Beshert. So, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it really was cause he was sleeping in unconscious until his ex-wife broke his heart. And that was the first time in his 50 years of living, he had had heartbreak. Yes. Yeah. I, I, we've talked about him being on, on my show and he's like, that's, that's the only thing I can speak to is when, you know, is my divorce and which and is his anxiety funny. attack. <laughs> oh, he could talk about his anxiety attack and he'd be good at it now. He's had enough distance and understanding about it. <laughs> we joke because he's All like, all right, tell him I want him on the show because men talking about that kind of stuff is so yeah. fucking important. Oh my God. Yeah. He, he looks back at what he thought then he thought that his anxiety attack was caused by his face cream. He asked the doctor, could my face cream? Like, that's how asleep he was. I'm like, oh, oh babe. It's adorable. It is adorable. <laughs> it is adorable. <laughs> because now he goes, I thought it was my face cream. I'm like, see, honey, so this funny. is why we're together now. Cause you're awake now and, and yeah. we're on this journey together. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, JJ. So for our last segment here, what is, let's see, what question do I want to ask you? Uh, well, I think I'm just going to ask you what Following your intuition, what is it that you feel like you want to contribute to the audience as a, you know, as a cherry on top of your story here? So taking all the energy of all your commandments, but definitely number seven and tapping into, and what you just said about being honest, if you're truly honest with yourself, what is blocking you from stepping into who you're supposed to be and start there and remove those blocks, those fears, if there are other people. And I'm not saying divorce, get to, look, trust me, I did not want to get divorced. This is not about leaving anybody. 
necessarily. It can be, if, but, it, it, but it isn't, it's not because they're holding you back. It's because you're holding you back. And that was clear about that. He didn't, he did try to hold me back because he didn't like it, but it wasn't that he, he didn't really, I mean, he wanted to support me. He said, I'm holding you back. Actually, that last day he said, I'm holding you back. Like he knew, but, I, but if I'm honest, my fear was I'm afraid to go bigger because you'll leave me. That would have been the honest truth. And I might've been able to go bigger a little bit sooner, but again, all in divine, I have, there's no regret. So if you're listening to this and you're in the place where you, you're connected to the story on any level and you're feeling a yearning inside of you and you're feeling an itch to grow and you want to spread your wings a little bit more, a little bit wider than you are right now, just be honest. And here's the thing about being honest. You don't have to act on it yet. Just right. acknowledge and stop lying to yourself. Just stop lying. Confession. Stop using confession yeah. in your head just for you. I mean, if you want to tell somebody, great, but just acknowledging the problem, acknowledging the truth will set you free. And then you can decide if and when to act on it. I quick story, I had a client who uh, was at one of my events. She comes to all my events, but, uh, and, and she had a situation going on in her family and she like, she jumped, you know how sometimes in the story that we're actually not looking at like what's actually happening. We go 10, 10 deep into the worst possible outcome of doing anything. Right. right I literally right. said, it's time for you to have a conversation. And she went to like getting divorced and not seeing her kids. And I was like, stop. Right. I was like, we have to start to be honest. And, every, and you're like, I don't understand. Like you do understand your confusion is your addiction, keeping you stuck in the same place. You're not confused. You're afraid. Oh, be I have clear. said that so many times to people. You are not confused. Cause you know, I'm the queen of clarity. So oh, I need clarity. You know, you are not confused. You, you have clarity. You just don't want to admit it. <laughs> exactly. It's time to be honest. This is a yeah. come to Jesus moment. Time to be honest. You don't have to do anything about it, but stop lying to yourself. Yeah. So do that, everybody. <laughs> Stop That's our yourself. final words. <laughs> <laughs> JJ, this was a delight. I hope that we get to play this way again. And um, thank you for being you. Your gifted, awesome, wacky, unique, thought leader self. They need us. <laughs> totally. And everybody else that falls into that category that's listening, it's time to get real. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Wow. What a great conversation. I'm just, she's like, she just in her words, like supercharges me. <laughs> I want to make sure that you know about the free gift that she's giving my audience. It is the Invisible Fitness Formula, Five Secrets to Release Weight and End Body Shame. Ugh, so super important right now, especially those of us that are being challenged in our food and fitness routines during this crazy time. So make sure you grab that. The link is in the show notes. And come on over to the GFR squad, GFR dot life forward slash squad. Um, go ahead and join over there and then you can uh, be part of our conversation about the truth about law of attraction and how contrast creates clarity in this crazy time. It's a fun place to hang out. And of course, if you haven't grabbed your GFR commandments, definitely want to go do that at gfr.life forward slash 12C because, oh boy, are they, the roadmap for getting real is so needed right now. <laughs> All right, until next time, over and out, y'all.